This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, listen, we've all heard of Casper, right? You know, the sleep company with the outrageously comfortable products at not-so-outrageous prices. From award-winning mattresses to pillow sheets and duvets, Casper is transforming the way we all sleep one snooze at a time. And now you can help dad upgrade to the comfort of Casper with the Father's Day sale. Save 10% on any mattress order or get 25 bucks off when you spend $100 or more on great gifts for dad. Now through June 23rd, the original mattress provides the support and cooling you need with the comfort you love. Four layers of premium foam are designed to provide pressure relief for all night comfort. Keep your back aligned with zone support designed to provide extra support. So, from bedding, bed frames, even a dog bed, Casper has got everything you need to complete your dream bedroom. And as always, free shipping and no contact delivery. Offer excludes bundles, the element mattress, and sale items. Limit one offer per customer and order. Please see casper.com slash terms for additional terms and conditions. You won the fight, but if you had to do those things to win the fight, then that's on you. I did it the right way. I, I, I fought to the best of my ability. And it was all natural. So I'm okay with everything. What's going to change? You know, we go and schedule another fight. I'm not certain he won't, you know, (laughs) do it again. What's cracking? Welcome to the original Side Hustle, episode 134 of the Jim Rome Podcast. I am Jim Rome, and I am hyped for this week because my guest is the former champ champ. One of the best MMAers to ever walk the face of the earth. He is the pride of Lafayette, Louisiana and Gilroy, California. He, of course, is Daniel Cormier. DC is not just one of the fiercest dudes ever. He is also one of the nicest and most engaging people I have ever met in my life in any walk of life. We are going to talk about his upcoming trilogy fight with Stipe, what it's like to rest and recover as a 41-year-old world-class athlete, and to be an extremely well-received member of the media already. Plus, is there a price tag that might get him to fight John Jones just one more time. All that and more coming up right now with one of my favorite people ever, Daniel Cormier. DC, first things first, it is great to have you on this podcast. I know for you, Daniel, family comes first. So let me start by asking you, how are you and yours doing during this really unusual time? Hey, Jim, we're doing good, man. You know, it's it's different. You know, we're spending a lot of time home. Um, my kids have had to adjust, and we, we're also adjusting because we're going to have another baby in October. So um, with my wife being pregnant and the kids being stuck at home all the time, it's been quite an adjustment, but we're doing well. Everybody's healthy, so that's the that's the big key. That is the big key. It's good to hear that. And congratulations, you've got another one on the way. In the meantime, DC, you've got a big fight coming up. You and Stipe are going to run it back once again, of course. You've got the trilogy. Daniel, I mean, obviously at this point in your life, you don't need to fight. Like, you're good. You've set yourself up beautifully for a life outside the cage. So why are you taking this on? Why is this fight so important to you? 
Well, it's a trilogy fight. You know, when you go one and one, uh, Steve and I walk away from this thing right now. Um, no matter if you got a victory and you lost one, you'll never be able to live with yourself. When you didn't take the opportunity, when you were still capable of competing at the highest level. So that's what it's about. You know, it's fully about athletics, you know, about going out there and trying to uh, write something that I felt I did so wrong uh, back in Anaheim in, last August. What about that, DC? What went wrong? What wrong are you trying to write? Uh, you know, Jim, I, I, I just kind of lost my mind in the fight. You know, I, I fought well in the first round. Second round, I fought okay. Third round, I fought okay, too. You know, but in the fourth round, hats off to Stipe for the adjustment to start digging real bad shots to the body. And then um, me just not adjusting to what he had done. You know, him and his coaches made a great uh, on-the-fly adjustment. But the reality is I was way out ahead in that fight. When you let one slip through your fingers like that, man, it, it's hard to deal with. See, Daniel, the thing is, and I, I, I couldn't respect you more for answering that question the way you just did. I mean, that's the epitome of accountability. The fact of the matter is, not only were you way ahead in that fight, but you won the first fight by knockout. So, I mean, I, I would imagine you tell me otherwise, but if you win the first fight the way you did, and then you're dominating the second fight, I mean, did maybe you start to think, like, I got this guy, I don't need to show him any more respect than I am showing him, and then that ultimately cost you? Is that what happened? Oh, absolutely. Jim, let me tell you something, man. It is the it is a hard truth when you got to look at yourself in the mirror and, and, and say that you dropped the ball not only competitively but mentally. And and mentally, I messed up, man. I, I stopped respecting who may be the greatest heavyweight of all time, and that cost me, and that's my fault. And I deserve to lose on that night because I didn't show that dangerous man the respect that he deserves. And honestly, it was from – uh, winning in the way that I did in the first fight and also being ahead in the second fight that time, you know? So, yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on. I lost respect, and ultimately it cost me. Respect to you, DC. All right, so you made the point that he made his adjustments and it won him the fight. So now you know how this goes. You're playing some chess. You need to adjust back. What kind of adjustments are you looking to make to win the third fight? Well, you know, just, just really trying to work on the, you know, mental. I, I You know, I know it's cliche and people say, Fighting, you know, 15, 20% physical and 80% mental, but that's not the case. It's more physical than that, but the reality is the mental game is what really cost me, you know. I did not fight in the way that I did. I did not stay the course. I didn't stay on task. And not being on task in school is a bad thing. You could fail. But not being on task in a physical fight, in a fist fight, it, it could really uh, have dire results, and that's what happened to me, you know. I have to live with that, and uh, my wife is very honest with me, and uh, she uh, she will tell me that I did a lot of things wrong in the buildup, and I've cut out all the distractions, and now I'm fully focused on this fight, uh, and I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just in a good place right now. DC, maybe it's none of my business, but I'm really fascinated by that. Like, you, first of all, you want people around you who will not tell you what you want to hear, but rather what you need to hear. And if your wife is saying to you, hey, listen, this is part of the problem. You were not doing the right things to the buildup. Can you share what any of that was? Like, what were the types of things or choices you were making leading up to that fight that maybe you shouldn't have? You know, Jim, it's, it's things that, you know, I see as good things. But the reality is when I'm going to train from 12 o'clock to 2, and I'm speeding off to the high school to teach wrestling until five and then go back and train at seven. Like, where's the rest and recovery? Where's the time for me to really focus on what I'm trying to accomplish? 
And that's been one of the things, you know, I spent so much time in the wrestling room uh, that I wasn't recovering and, and staying focused on what I needed to do. And my, my, you know, my wife just tells me, Daniel, you need to cut everything out right now. So whereas I hated, I don't like the, you know, being stuck at home, but also not being able to coach right now has taken a little bit off of my plate so I can be fully invested in what's most important. And that's me winning the heavyweight championship back. You know, it's so it's such a great point, DC. You hear so many world class athletes, and everybody's doing the very best they can to get as much out of their body and their approach as they can. You know, body is temple, but you have to rest and recover. And it's all about what you fuel yourself with and how you bounce back. Like, what are the keys to your rest and recovery? What are some of the things that you do daily to recover from oh, what you're doing with Jim? It's crazy now because, and and it's it's crazy because now that I'm doing all of this. I can't believe I accomplished what I did without right. uh, that being almost a, you know, this is almost as important as the training. So right now, um, I get massaged and stretched every day, Jim. Every day, massage and stretch. I have a spin machine that's in my house I use for my back. I bought a hyperbaric chamber. I got a sauna and a cold plunge in my backyard. I did all this in preparation for this camp because now I understand how important it is to treat my body uh the way that it needs to be treated if I expect so much out of it. You know, I'm 41 years old, and I'm asking my body, which has competed at the highest level since I was 15 years old, to go through another grueling training camp and a training camp that has to be so much more focused because I know how important and how tough the the the, the opponent is. So, man, I put all these things right on my property to where I get up in the morning at 5.30, Jim, I go lay in the high bear chamber until 7.00. I go after I train, I get in the sauna, I cold plunge. I have all that. I built a gym in my garage. So if I need to do some of my workouts at home, I have a cage. I have a treadmill. I have my spin bike. I have my Aerodyne heavy bags. I have everything just at my, my hands right now. DC, you ain't playing. You are all in. No. I mean, you're, you're, I'm all in. you're all in financially, emotionally, physically, mentally. I can tell you're all in for this. So what's camp been like so far? It's been great. You know, the first few weeks I did at home. You know, I had my training partners come to my house, and we would spar in there. We'd wrestle in there. We'd grapple in there. I would do some cardio in there. But um, yesterday was the first day I went back to AKA. You know, I went back home where this gym, where I've been groomed into being the guy that I am. I went and met with my coaches again, Javier Mendez and Bob Cook and Leandro, Rosendo, Rudy, you know, Ron. I, I went and met with all my coaches, and – we sat down and we put a plan together and we trained and I, we trained hard and it just felt good to be back in the place uh, where I became a world champion. And Daniel, those guys, that's your team. And you've been around those guys a long, long time. They know you, you know them, you trust yep. them, but you did bring in Mark Henry to look over your striking, right? Like yes. given us how close you are to your team, why did you decide to bring Henry in? You know, I was in, I was uh, in Vegas and coach Henry, uh, who is a mastermind, was there. And I was like, hey, Coach, can we work a little bit? And he, you know, just reached out. And he goes, yeah. But then when he showed up, Jim, he had every – he had the fight broken down with Stipe in a way that I haven't done it before. He had written down every strike, every strike that Stipe threw first, every one he threw as a counter, every attack, his rhythm. He had all these things done. And so I was like, wow, Coach, you know, this is crazy considering I'm not your athlete. I'm just a guy that you know that asked you to work with him, and he took the time to do that. 
and uh, at the very bottom of the note, he said, Daniel, because it's like everything's like listed in a, like 25 things, you know, and the bottom of the list said, Daniel, and lastly, you have to know that I care about you, and everybody cares, and, and it's just like, just that, like, we care about you, you know, people care about you, and it was like, wow, you know, they care about me and being successful, and it's just the way that he approached the fights. So uh, I worked with him all week in Vegas, and physically I haven't been back with him now. But I talked to Coach and, you know, talked to him about the fight and these things. But, you know, my, my coaches are the coaches at the American Kickboxing Academy. I think they are the best coaches in the world. But you could never have too many people trying to help you. And Mark Henry is that type of guy. I mean, DC, it's so clear to me. You're doing everything you possibly can to get any advantage you can legally. And that's how important this is. Like every athlete wants to go out on their own terms, but very few ever do. And even smaller percentage, Daniel, go out on top. You have a shot. If in fact, this is your last fight, we can talk about that in a minute, but you have a shot at doing both those things. What would it mean to you to end your career with that heavyweight strap once again? It would feel great, you know, and like you said, not many people get it, you know. The greatest champions we've ever seen didn't get it. Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and, you know, everybody. You know, very few guys walk away at the height of their success. And I think George St. Pierre did it in MMA. I don't know. I don't remember Lennox Lewis's last fight, but I think he won it and walked away as the champion. Um, but people don't get to do that. Look at, you know, Vladimir Klitschko was the man. We thought nobody would ever beat him. He even went out on the loss to Anthony Joshua. I just think that it would be one of those rare times where a great champion got to go out on his terms with the belt. So, DC, if in fact this is it, what do you think it would be like to retire in an empty arena? For instance, is that the way you want to go out? I think that's the world we live in today, Jim. You know, I mean, obviously you would love to be fighting in front of all the fans. My whole career has been main events and co-main events and every time you're in that spot there's 15,000 people in the arena and uh i've never fought in front of no people but i'll be okay with it jimmy from strike force i have never not fought the only fight i was ever not on the pay-per-view was my very first fight and that was one of the first five fights on fox so i was it was a very massive audience and it was in san jose so the place was packed I've never fought in front of a small crowd of people since I got to the UFC. Uh, so um, it will be different, but I don't anticipate it's going to change anything that happens in the fight. I mean, you've been talking to guys during the broadcast, DC. Like, for instance, what are the fighters saying? Is everybody so locked in that's not really an issue, or is it different for the fighters? I think some people are actually benefiting from it because now, you know, when you got your corner, they could be yelling for 25 minutes of a fight, but. 18,000 people, they're drowning them out, and you're having to filter what you're getting from your corner. You may get one of every five words from Bob Cook. Um, in this empty arena with no people, I will be able to listen to the instructions of my coaches very clearly. And I think that's why you're seeing some of these athletes have their best performances uh, that they've ever had. So, DC, you stopped Stipe in the first round of the first fight. He stopped you in the fourth round. How do you see this fight going? I think it's going to be a tough fight. You know, I think it's going to be a very difficult fight. Tough fight to, uh, to to really predict how it goes. I just need to go out there and fight my fight. You know, when you watch Stipe and I fight, and to this point we fought five rounds. Um, he won the fourth round of our second fight, you know. And even in that round, you know, it was still pretty close. 
you know, uh, in five rounds, I've won four of those rounds. So I just need to put together 25 minutes uh, to get my hand raised. But it just ends with me winning. That's the only way that this fight ends. I get that. I respect that. Do you think that this one ends via KO? I need to, I have, Jim, I've had to get rid of that thought, right? Because the first time I knocked him out, so I was almost in love with it. So I chased it so bad. I'm swinging every punch from the hip. I'm like, it's like I'm street fighting. No wonder I got exhausted. The street fight lasts 25 seconds. I'm in there for 20 minutes. Street fighting is one of the most talented guys in the world. So um, I just really have to, I really had to have to let go of the idea that I'm going to knock this guy out and just be okay with winning in any way that I can. I think that's a great analogy right there. All right, so it's never easy, Daniel, as I kind of transition to the next topic. It's never easy with John Jones, right? Not easy fighting him, not easy getting him to fight because of all of his issues outside the ring. Are you at peace with that portion of your career, or is there still some unfinished business with Jones? You know, it felt you know it felt like that, but then once I left, you know, and went to heavyweight and Jones was still down at 205. I just felt like it was over. You know, like, I know people love the, 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 the bad blood between him and I. and They love the story, and they love how the, the fights are exciting, and people show up. But I just feel like that's done. You know, that's a part of my career that doesn't really do me well. You know, my wife hates it. She hates me when I'm about to fight this guy because I change so much because it's just all – surrounded in negativity um you know i'm i'm pretty much done with that chapter of my career i don't want to deal with it anymore no i get that it was fun when i was younger jim like it was fun right knowing the big money pay-per-view was coming and you know all the trash talk and everything that came with the fight but now it's like who who really wants to do that at 41 years old you know i got you know three children and uh it just it just doesn't really interest me as much as it did before that's really interesting. I mean, I and believe me, I in my age right now, where I am in my life, DC, there are things that do not interest me at all. They used to interest me quite a bit. But I just wonder, man, like like you're trained the way you are. If this fight goes really well, and I don't want to be presumptuous, but if this fight goes really well and you feel like a million bucks and your body reacts really well, and Dana backs up this Brinks truck and stacks the money into the clouds, is that not something you'd at least think about? I think every fighter thinks about the finances, you know, but when you start speaking that into existence, then how do you really uh, look at anything with any finality? You know, because there's always going to be another one. And if being the guy that gets one of those fairy tale endings, being a guy that gets to go out on top, um, if you are open to them backing up the, the money truck to your house every time, eventually somebody's going to get you. And then you go back to chasing once again that fairy tale ending that you could have had. So I've got to be okay with it. I get that. So one last thought. So I, I understand this. You're trying to close the book on this. Because of his PED past, DC, do you feel like you ever got to fight him on an even playing field? I don't think I ever got to fight him the way that I, I wish I did because of all the uh, failed drug tests and all the other things that's been associated. But you know what? That's part of what actually makes it easier to gain peace is that, you know, you won the fights, but if you had to do those things to win the fights and that's on you, I did it the right way. I, I, I fought to the best of my ability and it was all natural. So I'm okay with everything because what's going to change, you know, we go and schedule another fight. I'm, I'm not certain he won't, you know, <laughs> do it again. So 
It happened so many times before. I don't blame you for feeling that way. Yeah, Daniel, it's amazing. This conversation is so interesting. I feel like I'm talking to half the GOAT and then half this great analyst. I mean, you've been doing so much work now on air. Like, you can mix in both these things. You're both a fighter and an analyst. I think you're an absolute natural on air. You're making it look easy, and it's really not. How much are you enjoying your media work? I'm loving it, Jim. It's so fun. It's uh, it's so it's so great to be able to show a different side of who I am, but also show a different side of who I am without being too different. I don't want to go on TV and change my voice and try to sound different or become a media guy. I want you to feel like when I'm talking about the fight, if you the, if you had a chance to come to my house and watch the fights with me, I would try to interact in the same ways. I want to be me in all in all areas of of, of what I do. And I feel like that is what's allowing people to be drawn to me on the media side. No, that's exactly right. And you don't need to be contrived. You don't have to manufacture anything. You don't have to be a hot take factory. You're just basically explaining what you're seeing, and you're doing it in a really entertaining way. That's great. All right, so put that media hat on for a minute. What about Jones and Nganu? That fight's not <laughs> happening as of right now. I mean, do you think that would happen? Could that still happen? And if it did happen, what would happen? I think it's a great fight. I think it could happen. Um, I think what we have to understand, and I think that you and I can agree, that when you talk about Jonesy, he's an extremely talented guy. You know, with everything that comes um, associated with his name and everything, he's just an extremely talented guy. And I believe that him and Ngannou would be a fantastic fight. I don't know, you know, if Francis has is going to be able to withstand a long fight with Jones. Not many people have. So, um, but if anyone can put him to sleep, trust me, it is that Francis Ngannou. That is the scariest man that the UFC has ever seen. So, um, fantastic thought. Um, I don't think that it's out the window yet. I do believe that um, they can possibly come to terms. I agree with you. I think that Jones can create so many problems for Ngannou, but as you point out, Ngannou, Man, he is a scary, scary man. Do you think Jones, is, does he know what's waiting for him necessarily at the heavyweight level? And what happens when he takes a shot, gets hit a good shot from Ngannou? So I think that's what, I think that's the difference, right? Jones has a good chin, right? We've hit, I've hit him hard, you know, a lot of times and clean. Um, a lot of guys have hit him hard and clean. But let's make no mistake, none of us punch like Francis Ngannou. And I think that the moment he feels Francis's power, He'll be like, okay, I'm fighting up at heavyweight, and this is a completely different world. I mean, you know, it's not – and Nganu is, is extremely powerful, but it's the speed at which that he throws those strikes that you would never anticipate because he's so big. But he's also really, really fast, really skilled. So, DC, Habib is your guy, clearly. But Gaethje, I thought, was just unbelievable in beating Tony Ferguson. How about that mm -hmm. matchup? How do you see that fight going? Who do you have there? You know, and Jim, I think Justin Gaethje is one of those guys that I was talking about when I say the fighters are performing better because they are so in tune with their coaches. Because even after he got dropped, he went to the corner. You know, he started, like, kind of laughing and giggling. And his coach said to him, he goes, uh, remember the last time you got cocky, you got knocked out. And Justin could stay within himself. Certain guys will react to the crowd. And when you're as exciting a fighter as Justin, 
the crowd can sometimes get you riled up. He was able to stay within himself, and if he fights like that, he's a problem for anyone. But I think that Habib Nurmagomedov is the best fighter in the world, and I believe that his style will cause issues for anyone, and um, I don't anticipate Justin being any different. But I do believe now that Justin Gaethje is the toughest fight in the division for Habib Nurmagomedov. I was going to say, Habib's never, ever even been in trouble before in a fight. And Gaethje, (laughs) his style is different. He's got that great wrestling background. So probably Mm -hmm. it would be his toughest test. DC, what about this? Like, we saw Conor McGregor struggle with the sudden fame and the riches. By the way, most people would, right? You go from having nothing to 100 mil in a blink of an eye. It's probably going to change you. You know Habib, I'm curious. He's now a global superstar. He's rich, he's famous. As far as you can tell, has that changed him or his approach to work and his craft in any way? The work? No. I feel like he maybe talks a little more trash than he ever did. (laughs) He's bolder. He's bolder in that regard. But, man, let me tell you something. This kid works hard, man. He's so committed. There aren't many guys that I've known that train as hard as Habib Nurmagomedov. So, there's been no comfort in in him and his preparation, even after he's made all this money, you know. But his life has changed, Jim. Make no mistake about it. And he is the biggest star that we've ever had out of AKA. I, I, you know, there are days when we come out of the gym now, and sure, we'd have one or two guys waiting for photos or, and occasionally. But now, when Habib's in there, man, there's 20 to 30 people every single day standing in the parking lot waiting for him to come outside, sign photos and gloves and everything. It's uh, it's different, and it's something that we haven't really prepared for because AKA has never had that. And not many MMA gyms have had that, where they may need to find a way to shield him from all the fans every single day he leaves the gym. DC, before I let you go, in terms of stars – like Sugar Sean O'Malley. I mean, his guy was spectacular in knocking out Eddie Wineland recently. Everybody's always rushing in to anoint the next big thing. I don't want to do that necessarily, but is Sugar the sport's next big thing? I think Sugar Sean O'Malley has the potential to be a massive star from his personality to his fighting ability. I just think that the kid has it all. You know, he's got a great look. He's really long for his weight class. He fights like 135. <laughs> but has knockout ability, that's not something you see much at those weights. You know, you see some of the more skilled guys in the world, but you don't see people flatlining guys like Sean O'Malley did to uh, Eddie Wineland um, back in Vegas. So I think he has a ton of potential to be a star. I really, really do. And I'm excited to see how they start to move him up in terms of level of competition. How do you think that goes, DC? I mean, he's not ready for a title shot yet, right? Especially in that division. No, no. And even the fact that people are calling for him to fight Cody Garbrandt, that's too early, right? Like, don't put him in there with Cody Garbrandt yet. Let's build him slowly. Let him work his way up into the top 15 and then uh, down into the top 10. And then you start putting him in there with the Piotr Jans and the Jose Aldos of the world and the Cody Garbrandt, Aljamain Sterling, who looked phenomenal, uh, against Corey Sanhagen. Um, but don't rush him into fights with those guys because that's how you lose prospects. I thought that the UFC may have put that other kid that was a very popular kid, tall, with the, with the, with the curly hair. I can't remember the boy's name. Um, but he was a great, he's a great grappler, and they put him into with a tough guy. The guy had 24 fights in his UFC career. 
What a Chase Hooper. The kid's name is Chase Hooper. The kid's 21 years old. You put him in there in the second UFC fight with a guy that has more more UFC fights than the kid has years on this earth. So you can rush guys, and you don't know if you'll lose them. I think this is the type of opportunity to really build Sean O'Malley into the person that could really draw a new crowd into the UFC. I watched that fight that you were talking about. That kid, he was game, wasn't he? He just kept coming forward. He was getting yeah, beaten was badly, but he was game, game but, wasn't he? He was very game, Jim, but uh, Alex Caceres is just too for sure. oh, no. good for him. Right he wasn't now. ready. He was but not ready for hope, that fight. Not yet, but let's hope Chase Hooper can still rebuild himself because he's a kid that has potential to really uh, make a connection with the fans. Yeah, he's got it. And Sugar's got it. Really quickly, DC, so what about the business? Like, you've got some guys, and not young guys, but you've got stars that are unhappy with their deals. They're unhappy having to mm-hmm. wait for fights. They, some want out of their deals. Some are threatening to retire. Some have retired. Officially, when does that become an actual problem for Dana White? Um, you know, I think when you saw in Vegas, you know, after their, the pay-per-view, Amanda Nunez's pay-per-view, when Connor said he was retiring again, I think... Uh, you saw that it's starting to wear on Dana a little bit. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like it, you know, because if you know Dana, he's a guy that likes to, he wants to make, he likes to make fighters feel good. Like I always say, like whenever the bad news would come back in the day, if you needed somebody to call, give you bad news, most times it was Lorenzo for Tita. But if it was good news, Dana was the guy that called, right? We're going to give you X amount of dollars extra. And you're like, yes. You know, and he, he's kind of like he's delivering good news. So hearing all that, is, you could tell, you know, he got very, like, frustrated openly. Um, and that's something that he's usually pretty guarded with. So I think at this point it's frustrating him. Um, but, you know, guy's been in the business for, you know, 25 years, 20 years now. And, you know, if anybody can work through it, I believe he will. Yeah, since you mentioned Amanda, really quickly, I want to ask you about Amanda Nunes. DC, she, uh, she is such class both inside and outside the cage. How much do you respect what she's accomplished in that sport? Jim, she's an absolute legend. And all, I mean, she walks into the room, Jim, and you're drawn to her. Like, she's smiling. Right. Um, she's so happy. It doesn't seem like she's the most dangerous woman on the entire planet. You, you would not think that when you see Amanda Nunes, but when you lock that door, I mean, there's nobody better. And, um, she's just phenomenal. She's a massive star and, um, she deserves everything. Her and her, her wife, Nina are about to have their first baby, um, very soon. So life is, is as good for Amanda Nunes as she could have ever hoped for. She's so awesome. She is something else. So DC, your fight with Stipe, is it officially in Nevada? Has that been decided? It's so crazy that I was doing my show yesterday with Ariel Hawani, and he told me that there are three places getting um, that are in the running to host our fight, California, Nevada, and Arizona. And I was like, is that real? Because I'm like, you're telling me, because on my fight purse, it, the location is it, it's to be determined. They haven't figured it out yet. Do you have a preference? Where do you want that fight to be? Um, it doesn't matter. You know, I I just I'll, I'll fight wherever. You know, if it's in Vegas, you know, we get to fight in a smaller cage. Um, to me, that's that's a bit of an advantage for me. Miocic doesn't really like that. It allows me to close the distance uh, much quicker. But uh, it doesn't matter. I'll fight wherever, man. I just want to fight this fight and and put this trilogy behind me. I know, and then I could stop asking you questions about this. What about the island, DC? Do you want to fight on the <laughs> island? I, you know. 
I don't think we're going to fight on Fight Island. We're both American guys, and uh, it, 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 I don't think it's going to become a, a problem uh, and, and an option for us because when it's mostly two Americans, we fight here. Uh, fight Island is for the international fighters who can't get here. No, I get that. It's for people who can't get here, but I just want to see a fight. on. I want to see you on Fight Island, but I understand <laughs> that. You're exactly right. DC, I can't say how much I appreciate this. I know this is running right up against your workout time. you got a lot of things mm-hmm. to do, but, man, I appreciate you so much, DC. It's so great to have your voice on this podcast. Good luck in the fight, and it's always great to talk to you, and you know I appreciate this friendship and this relationship. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate you too, man. I really appreciate all the time you've given me and allows for me to uh, share my time and career with your fans and and you. So uh, thank you again, buddy, for being so nice to me and so uh, great with your platform. I appreciate it. Let me talk to you for a minute about Magic Spoon. When I was a kid... Growing up, I think I speak for a lot of us, cereal was awesome, right? Cereal was so great. But then you get a little bit older and you realize exactly what you're putting into your pie hole. Sugar and junk that you should not eat. So I've been trying to cut down on my carbs, my sugar, my unhealthy food. And then it hits me. Man, what can I eat? Is there anything left to eat? Especially for breakfast. That brings me to Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon. How about these numbers? Zero sugar. 12 grams of protein, and only 3 net grams of carbs in every serving, and 4 awesome flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry. It tastes amazing. In fact, normally when something seems too good to be true, it is. Not in this case. It's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free, it's low-carb, and it's GMO-free. I love all four flavors, but you know I'm going with the frosted if I have to pick one. Listen, go to magicspoon.com slash Rome, grab a variety pack, try it today, and be sure to use our promo code Rome at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, and you will, but if you don't, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Magicspoon.com slash Rome. Be sure to use the code Rome and get free shipping. Magic Spoon, a good friend of this podcast. Once again, enormous thanks to one of the best guys ever, Daniel Cormier. I appreciate the time and the friendship. I love running him down, and I can't wait already to do it once again. Speaking of doing it again, I am doing this podcast again next week, like I do every single week, and we already have a guest locked. It is nba or Austin Rivers. Make sure you get subscribed so next week it will find you, and you don't have to find it. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you listening. And in the meantime, here is your prize. Here are your voicemails. First new message. Jim, Bud, and Laguna Niguel, please start running these clowns that read their calls. You used to a long time ago. Please start again. Out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. Awesome player profile of the Cavalin Asian. It showed how much range this guy truly had. He could go straight sports. He could crush clones. He could go after athletes. He could break down the business side of sports. The Cavalin Asian can just do about anything in sports talk radio. It's going to be like 86 at Augusta with Nicholas or 2019 at Augusta with Tiger because the Cavalin Asian is going old school. 
He's going to win this fucking thing on June 19th. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin from Melbourne. Let's just say I'm putting a half a stack of high society on Sarah T. Yes, it's a long shot, but the big head will respect that huge bet. But to be real, we're all tuning in this Friday because we want to see two of the biggest heavyweights ever to go at it. The rest of them are prelims. The BIC and the Cavalier Nation, let's prove who the greatest of all time is. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Rome? This is KJ in the ATX. Thank you for having these conversations this week. Just got through listening to the Nate Boyer interview. People need to hear this. It's about time we're having this conversation. If these conversations make you feel uncomfortable, then you are exactly the person that needs to hear these conversations. You know, having to deal with this for, you know, 44 years, I'm just exhausted. But it's real. These are real things that African-Americans have to deal with on a daily basis. And not to conflate social issues, but if a Native American tells you that Washington Redskins is offensive, it's offensive. Listen, we've been talking and saying this for a long time. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Late. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Jimbo? This is for the guy who left a voicemail last week calling my dog Drew Brees a bitch. Man, you a bitch. San Francisco 49ers is a bitch. Jimmy Garoppolo is a bitch. Raheem Moser is the biggest bitch out of them all. We're going to see week 10. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We're going to whip that ass all over the dome. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, what up, dude? This is Mark. Instead of calling that dude Silk Bra, she called him Silk Boob. Silk. Boob. Silk. Boob. Silk. Boob. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim Rome. How do you like my pipes? This is a fake, fake, fake narc bra. Come on, narc, come on, narc, come on. Come on, come, 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 come on, narc bra. Message saved. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.